you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. And my guest today is Ed. Oh, I thought I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your name. Say it again. Oh, Frauenheim. Okay. I probably could. I probably could have guessed at that one. And Ed is here to talk about something that's that's um, very interesting. I think very important, and that um, I don't know how long you've been working or involved with this particular part of it, but we can talk about that as well in the in the podcast. Sure. So welcome, Ed. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Thanks very much, Susan. I'm I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you. And uh, would you like me to give a quick introduction as we... Please. I'm sorry. Started? I should have said that. No, I'm we're... sitting here expecting it. And... <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm Ed Fraunheim. Um, I'm an author, uh, a speaker, and a consultant focusing on masculinity matters and workplace culture. Uh, my my background is as a journalist, uh, 20 or 25 years of that, eventually moved to uh, study workplace cultures at Great Place to Work, which is a research and consulting firm that puts together the Fortune 100 best companies to work for list. So I got to study some of the best workplaces and leaders in the world. And at the same time, I was exploring my own kind of challenges with masculinity as a man. I'm now 55. Um and all that kind of culminated in a, in a book called Reinventing Masculinity that came out in 2020, co-authored with Ed Adams. And, and we looked at the way uh, men are called to show up in different ways uh, in order to have healthier, fuller, more soulful lives. And, and when they do that, they help others around them have have that those benefits as well. So that's a little me in a nutshell there. Okay. And so what are you doing now? Are you just traveling with the book or are you, you know, working with groups? What, what is your, what are you doing at this point with everything you've done? I am offering uh, talks and, and workshops uh-huh. on masculinity, sure. especially like okay. at work, um, uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. to reinvent masculinity, masculinity at work. Uh, mm-hmm. Another topic is um, quiet men at work. It's not, in other words, the intersection of introversion and, and masculinity. Uh-huh. And so, okay. uh, my colleague and partner, Jennifer Conweiler and I have written about how now is the time for quiet men? That the, a lot of the skills of, of, of men who have been introverted, who are more thoughtful, lit, better listeners, uh, more interested in deeper connections, those are really skills that are needed right now. Um, apart from that, I'm also I help organizations with with leadership consulting and communications. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a mix of things right now. Uh, but I, uh-huh. I've been doing this for about two and a half years on my own at this point, and um, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time. Yeah, yeah, that sounds very interesting. Very interesting. So, um, okay. So let's, let's start with, um, maybe how, how you got interested in this particular subject enough to, to really sit down and write a book about it. Sure. Going right for the, my, my vulnerable spot, Susan. Uh, Sorry. I I struggled being a guy, uh, or Uh at least in the the ways we are expected to be guys, you know, you're supposed to be strong and, um, confident and, uh, you know, great with the ladies, at least for us heterosexual guys. And uh-huh. I grew up kind of skinny, kind of insecure, sensitive. 
um, and um, did not win sports championships, even though I was in a couple final games. And that really like actually had a pretty haunting effect on me. And uh-huh. when I got to the work world, I mean, in some ways on the surface, I looked like I was a successful guy. I was a writer at, at technologies uh, site, cnetnews.com, uh-huh. uh, writing articles and, you know, up to now in Fortune, you know, USA Today and other places. One of the things I didn't do that guys are often expected to do is become leaders in, in organizations, okay. right? And so uh-huh. I have led one person for one day. I may have the smallest management career in history, uh, I don't think she left because of me. She had previous plans and I was, just, you know, assigned to be her, her, her manager. Right. Um, uh-huh. But it all kind of took a toll on me and like going up the way you're supposed to be a guy. And there was a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of hurt around that and, and self, uh, criticism. Mm-hmm. So I was writing about this as, especially as I got to be a dad of two kids. Now they're 18 and 20. I would oh be writing personal essays. And, and then I was noticing in the work world as I was studying these great workplaces that men are called to show up differently. You couldn't. Mm-hmm. Be the barking boss, the commanding chief uh, or general, if you will, and, and be as successful. Some of the research we did at Great Place to Work was, was showing that that older approach to being a guy at work and a leader at work was, you know, risking you coming across as rigid, cold, and isolated when the world is now calling for flexibility, warmth, and connection. So I was putting these things together, and then I connected with my my co-author, who had studied the psychological aspects of masculinity, Ah, and had helped helped roll out these new American Psychological Association guidelines that said when men have a rigid, traditional view of masculinity, they have worse health outcomes. They don't live as long. They have Mm -hmm. more problems with with Mm -hmm. substance abuse, et cetera. And Mm. um, we came together and put kind of that workplace the psychological aspects and then kind of our, our shared interest in a better world. Cause we do think mm-hmm. as you and I were talking about earlier that we've got to redefine masculinity for us to solve these global problems like climate change mm-hmm. or, and cooperating on, on pandemics, et cetera. Uh, because mm-hmm. we're, we've been too combative and too hyper-masculine, I think in, in our culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's in, so interesting. Do you, the wrong way to say it. Um, are there role models from the forties and the fifties that, all of these men thought that they were supposed to be emulating. Yeah, it's a great question. I I recently have been have been joining and and, and talked to a group of older men uh, in the LA area. Uh, they call themselves uh-huh. the Life Transition Group. It's mostly men, about thirty of them or so, and they're um, they grew up in that time. And they say John Wayne was the role model. Mm-hmm. You're supposed yeah. to be. You know, that kind of tough cowboy, you don't, you don't show weakness, uh, you're strong. Um, and, um, you know, what they told, what they said, one of the fellows in that was, was put it so well, I thought that there were some great values shared in that, in those, in that era of hard work. You know, John Wayne, may, may, he wasn't lazy, you know, um, uh-huh. one of the, what this fellow had said was you weren't really prepared for what happens if it doesn't work out, even though you worked hard, like, there wasn't a lot of tools for failure. Guys were yeah. supposed to succeed. And, and if you didn't succeed, you're kind of a loser. And, and uh-huh. you know, had to deal with that shame and mm. that self, mm. you know, self-laceration yeah. on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that resonate with you I mean, in terms of what yeah. you're Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. I think so. You know, I'm just thinking like about my, my father I was born in 1918. Oh. No. 1908. My mother was born in 1918. And, um, and yeah, I mean, and he came from a family of 10 kids and he just always felt very 
he always felt very responsible, you know, he, to, mm-hmm. to earn a good living and you know, support his family and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's just things that, and I'm not going to get in all the specifics, but there are things that happened during his <laughs> life that, that, you know, he, he just like, Oh my God, what did I do? You know, kind of. Mm-hmm. And I think I just always thought I always felt like he was kind of a, a out of out of his element because he was he was one of those people who could get along with everybody. He was a salesman without being salesy. Everybody loved him. Everybody loved. Him. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it just it just seemed like a uh, like he was just, you know, I don't know. He and my aunts and my uncles and stuff, they all they all did that. They all owned their own, their own businesses. They were all successful businessmen. You know, the girls all, almost all the girls got married and had kids. I mean, it's just, it was so. Kind of simple rules and more rigid roles that you could play. Yeah. Yeah. When you say that he didn't feel like he was in in, in his element, are you saying that there's a certain, certain ways he could not be himself in a way growing up in that that time and with some of the expectations on him as a man? Yeah, there, I think there are times when he, and this is going to sound really strange, but I think there are times that, that. He didn't say no, you know, when he actually should have, mm-hmm. which got him into a lot of trouble for a while there, you know, and he, and he married somebody who was very, uh, we won't go there anyways. It was just, it was just an interesting dynamic. Just <laughs> what you said way. there. I yeah, I'm, don't want to probe or. Uh, yeah, push, no, that's okay. The, what I, you said wanna, about- I would tell, I would tell you, but I'm not, not when we're already helping. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. <laughs> I am. One thing that came up for me as you're saying that is, as um, <laughs> One of the messages we've gotten through what I would call our, our pretty hyper-masculine culture is mm. more, more, more. It's hard for guys to say no to, to business opportunities or to, uh, you know, taking on a lot because uh, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be able to shoulder so much. Right. You know? yeah. And uh, it's, you're, it's, you're weak if you say no. Mm. Say to, to yeah, a, that's a good point. Yeah. And um, I think that only now... You know, that that's all part of what I would call, you know, we call in our book a confined masculinity, which mm. is to say with a very limited roles and very limited ways of relating. And some of those mm-hmm. roles included the provider, the protector, procreator, uh, have a lot of kids. Um, but then you're supposed to relate in ways that are almost always about competition and, and, and besting other people and achieving to the get to the uh. top or something. Uh-huh. Uh, and also being stoic. So you can't show a lot of emotion except maybe anger and yeah. also self-reliant. You know, that's that disconnected piece where you're not supposed to get help from, from others. Mm-hmm. And um, so all those things, a lot of those elements aren't necessarily bad by themselves, but they're not enough for us to be fully human is, is one of the arguments mm-hmm. we make in our book and, and therefore to have mm-hmm. a healthier life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. So are any of those, or no, maybe, maybe rephrase that. What are some of the things that women typically do as opposed to the men, right? That are helpful if the men would do them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great, great way to frame it. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting at the way in which we are kind of calling for men to embrace their feminine side, embrace okay. what we would call feminine energies of uh-huh. action, compassion, uh, vulnerability, um, stillness, you know, not necessarily having to go, go, go and get more, more, more. Uh, one of the ways we think of that I've, I've started thinking about it in, 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 I came up with a term with a friend of mine named Jim Young that we talk about the arrow and circle man. Because so much of our time, we've forgotten the, the circle. You know, we were just about the, the go, 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 penetrate, 
be aggressive, you know, go for yours. And and yet this is uh-huh. more the, the feminine side of if, in a, in a way, like let's yeah. be open to things. Let's be uh, connected to each other. Let's be mm-hmm. uh, compassionate and, and hug, you know, the, the, the circle of the arms. Mm-hmm. So those are energies that all human beings have access to, but women have, you know, been it's that that's those qualities in some ways have been shoved over to the woman and 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 it's actually get women get in trouble when they try to be too masculine right or or and, and also they're expected to be that in the work world but um in any event those are some feminine uh qualities or or energies that we are we're inviting men to and when they mm. do that they mm. can have a richer life you know they can have a healthier mm. life uh including having some of the relationships that we now know are yeah. so for for living longer and living in a, in a healthier way. Yeah. No, and that and that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I mean even in the even in the workplace part of of female or women, right? We're always you're not letting us in. Mm-hmm. You're not including us in the meetings. You're not including us in all these things. And um you know, that's, that's not a great atmosphere for anybody to be in, the men or the women. That, that's a great right? point. Thinking. Yeah, I, <laughs> thank you. Um, you're speaking to, I think, one of the, the downsides of this that confined masculinity is it's about who can be the king of the hill. And there are yeah. limited spots at the top. And, and one of the ways men have, have ordered things in, in, the, in the, one, the ones kind of in charge of this in this ethos is that mm. women are less than men, right? Mm. They're less valuable or the domestic sphere is a lot less valuable than the commerce, right. per se. Yeah. Um, and so men have, they can, even the lowest ranking men can feel like they're better than women, right? They're in this, this kind of pecking uh-huh. order and hierarchy. Uh, uh-huh. and that's another place where I think we're moving in this diversity, inclusion, equity movement is saying, let's mm. change. You know, we got to like treat everybody as mm. deeply equal. You know, we're, we're not, men are not yeah. better than women. And a lot of evidence is that women are better leaders than men, you know, and mm-hmm. that these methods of leading are not better. When, when it's about kind of uh, going for yours and being kind of selfish and competitive and, and always trying to uh, put down others. You know, it's, it's uh-huh. what we've kind of learned in, in the Great Place to Work research is that caring rather than scaring gets the best results. Really? What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what was sanctioned when you saw some of these older archetypes, right? Oh, the, oh the, my the God. The yelling boss, the Lou Grant kind of figure who's only occasionally nice to Mary Tyler Moore, but a lot of like that. You know, I'm going to browbeat my people and mm-hmm. make them uh, produce or else, you know? Right, right, right. Well, and along, it was also a whole thing of, well, why, why, this is my role. Why would you want to be doing this? You should be home having babies, yeah. you know? And then, and then a part of me looks at that and goes, were they jealous because they couldn't have babies? You know, I, I love that you raised that point. Uh, one of the most interesting pieces of research I've seen about the pandemic, Susan, is that uh-huh. men who spend, spend more time at home and who are fathers have done more parenting, more caregiving, and they like it. They don't want to go back. They've kind of <laughs> made it part of their yeah. personality, their identity, you know, yeah. and I think to your point, like who wouldn't want to be loving on their kids when they really ha- have that opportunity? And I think a lot of dads, a lot of men grew up thinking that dads are supposed to be purely enforcers, you know, not mm-hmm. to have a loving, a deeply loving relationship. And, and what a, mm-hmm. what a, what a loss that is for so many guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and to give a lot of men some credit, I think part of what ended up happening was they worked all day. And then by the time they came home, they were exhausted Yeah, and they no. didn't have any energy left Good point. to, to work, you know, be with their kids and really show up for their kids, even if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. And I think we're, we're really kind of dismantling that mm, this mm. kind of workaholic, uh, what, what I would again call like 
the work world has really, I believe, emulated that combined masculinity, you know, mindset or, or set of attitudes like such that what matters is just constant more, more, more profit. Uh, it's not about balance or sustainability, really. It's not about in, in the emotional well-being of the people there. You're just supposed to generate, you know, be almost like machinery, like a cog in a yeah. wheel. Whereas that if you embrace your whole humanity, you're going to say, I don't want to just be rational and um, logical. And I want to be able to be, if I'm hurt, like express that and not have to like hide that or if I'm sad or if I'm even joyful about something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we're, we're starting to make space for that. And the pandemic actually helped in a lot of ways. And that was a silver lining is that it kind of, I think, prompted us to rethink a lot of our gender ideas. I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. It, it, I think there's a lot of men who went, gee, I kind of like work to work from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's as far as they would say it, but that was, you know, it, it um, implies a lot of other things. Right. And, and, and another piece of that, I think, and I'm curious if you saw this too, is like, there was a lot of, of workplaces that were based on distrust. Uh, and mm. that's one of the things that distinguishes great workplaces from not so great ones is that the leaders mm-hmm. trusted their people and, and had a, they kind of had a glass half full view of people and, you know, an abundant okay. sense that people could be, were good. They would try hard. They were capable. And so those organizations kind of thrive when their people went home, they, they could trust them and, and they did trust them. And, and, a lot of other organizations struggled because they didn't trust the people. They were putting on like surveillance software on the computers. Ah. They were doing enough keystrokes. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they were just hesitant to let this kind of experiment play out. But mm-hmm. again, like it prompted a lot of recognition that, hey, you know what? People actually are willing to work hard, you know, when they're given a bit more discretion. Uh, and productivity actually rose in the first couple, couple months of the pandemic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people that were just flabbergasted by that one, not what they were expecting. Yeah, yeah, because they, every everybody, so many companies fought letting people work from home, even if it was only a couple of days a week before the pandemic, because they were afraid they weren't going to get anything done. They weren't going to do anything. And it, it has largely worked out uh, that uh-huh. do work pretty hard on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing that comes to mind just in talking about that is that there actually were, even before the pandemic, a lot of examples of people who did work well, not in the office, which were a lot of salespeople, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Who weren't even in the city, maybe not even in the state and worked, yeah. you know, maybe they rented an office or they worked from home or whatever it was and did wonderful jobs. Right. But no one, no one put those two things together. Yeah. And one of my main clients, that's a great point. Like the sales team has been remote for forever and so many of the office workers were not and they had to come into work. And those sales folks had great performance. They, they helped the company grow and do wonderfully financially. They also had great experience scores on their great place to work surveys. So they were having a good experience uh, given the, given the trust to do their work yeah. in their own space in their own time largely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And how did the office people rate them? They still had a good experience overall, but oh, they, okay. um, they weren't they weren't usually given the opportunity to work from home uh pre-pandemic. Uh-huh. Right. But now the company has almost flipped it completely. So very few people go in uh-huh. now. And there's and their scores are uh, on their employment sentiment because I think people are are appreciating that the trust yeah. is being shown. Mm-hmm. What a novel concept. <laughs> <laughs> And to your, you know, to the, the theme of your podcast, like that's, that's uh-huh. healthy. When, when there's yeah. a lot, I don't know if you've seen any of the work of Jeffrey Pepper out of Stanford, he's found that like stressful management where people have very little control, where they have job insecurity, mm-hmm. uh, where they can't take care of their life obligations, mm-hmm. those 
Pensive management systems probably cause more than 100,000 premature deaths a year. It's like 120 or something like wow. that. And, and, wow. and like a billion or more in healthcare costs. And when we can create an environment of trust uh, where we can embrace those more feminine qualities, you might say, of compassion and connecting mm-hmm. people, uh, not through a, a, a micromanagement way, but like encouraging the bonds between them and giving them some authority in terms of making decisions, um, not just not watching them, but having mm-hmm. them have some decision-making power. Those are healthy behaviors because that gets rid of the toxicity of that workplace culture. And, uh, you know, the client I have, the pe- people are often thriving. When they they just created more discretion for some of their customer service representatives, and these people are like over the moon. They don't even want to take breaks. They love talking to their customers because they have the ability to make uh, an authentic connection with those customers. Uh-huh. They don't talk- and yeah, really, no, that's neat. And I think the other thing too, probably is because they have some, they, they can actually do something for their customers. They right. don't have to say, oh, well, let me go check right. and I'll let you know if I can do that or if you can do that or, or yeah. Yep. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Interesting. Like better all around, really, when you when you can do that and and treat the, the the bad behavior as the exception rather than the rule that you're you're setting yes. up the guidelines to force everybody else to to be kind of treated like a kid as opposed to an adult mm-hmm. at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a novel concept, isn't it? Yeah, I think partly some of that as well is um, will go away at the time as well. Say more about that. You're saying well. Because the people, a lot of the people who are running the big companies and, and yeah. you know, small ones or whatever, they're running them the way that they grew up in it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, A, it's going to take a while for them to see the difference. Yeah. And and B, when they get to the point where they're retiring, which is probably going to be fairly soon. Right. Right. You've got a whole nother generation coming up who has been pushing against that. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I'm hopeful in the same way you are. Um, uh-huh. And a lot of these, you know, what you see in like millennials, some of the research there is that they don't care as much about getting ahead, quote unquote, or up the ladder. They are more uh-huh. interested in, in a, a meaningful life, you know, where work uh-huh. is one component, whereas I grew up and, yeah. and maybe folks, you're a little bit older than me. Uh, what you yeah. told me before. Uh, that was that was what a guy did, you know, and, and maybe women also were career minded was about getting those promotions and, and rising to the top. Mm-hmm. And even yep. you would sacrifice your personal life. And, and these younger folks are saying, no, like silly, <laughs> like, well, partly because they saw their parents get laid off at the drop of a hat. That's so why, right. Why and put so much, all this energy and time yeah. into, into that. Um, when I'm going to get, I can get laid off and, and you know, as soon as oh, this yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or or they have a heart attack. Right. Exactly. Right? They get they get ill, you know. I mean, how many times did, did we see that happen? Right. And mm-hmm. uh you may have you may have talked about this before. I mean, and that kind of happened to me too, like where I was doing too much. Mostly I was enjoying it, but it was too much. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um and I, I had a heart attack in twenty twenty one at the age of fifty three, I guess I was at the time or something uh-huh. like that. Uh and that was from that go, go, go. Not, not to say no, like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier regarding um, your father. And, and I think I mm-hmm. had some of this, those old masculinity beliefs are still in me, even though I'm singing a new song. You know, I've got to take my own medicine um, more. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the way I look at it, it's never all or nothing. Mm. It should be a combination. Yeah. I really want to do a good job. 
yeah, I'm going to put the time in and the effort and the emotional time, yeah. right, to do a good job and and have a good feeling about what I'm doing. That doesn't mean you have to go overboard. I think that's that's the lesson that we're all kind of learning, or we all learn, you know, especially in the in the um, you know 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was is is when it kind of started, you know, and and women, although not not that not that women has have made that big of an inroad even now, but it's getting better. It is getting yeah. better. Um, yeah. I like your point about uh, it's not all or nothing. Is that how you put it? Um, mm-hmm. what, was the, what was the phrase you used there? Can you say that again? You're, you're, talking, about you're talking to somebody whose memory is like, okay. Gone. Well, I like what, <laughs> this idea that we cannot uh, yeah. lose sight of the balance. Right. And, and I That's think, right. right. You, you can't, you have to be able, you still have to be able to do some of those things. It's just not a hundred percent that you're doing, that you're pushing that you're taking responsibility for everything that you're putting up all these barriers and other things that having a nice life because you're working. Right. Right. And and I think I I see this, you know, with some of the, some of the people I've worked with, Mm -hmm. they gravitate to these kind of extreme mottos, you know, Mm. like, you know, unstoppable, you know, or some, some terms Uh that sound good, but seriously, you know, like Amazon had, had that sort of idea at one point, I think Bezos had, had some kind of model along those lines. Elon Musk and his sort of like hardcore, like you have to sleep at the office and that's just a recipe, right? And, and and you're going to lose the people that do have have great skills and want a good life Uh also. Yeah. Right. So it's, uh, we're not out of the woods on that, I think on that philosophy, but, uh, think um your point a lot of younger people are are saying no to that that just that's craziness yeah <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 and i think that that's where the the full turning point will come when there just are not enough people signing on to that mm-hmm. to actually do it i love that and then they're gonna have they're gonna have to lower the bar I, I or maybe we change i love that idea and maybe we change that metaphor a little bit susan because it yeah. maybe like change, yeah. change raise the bar oh or did you say nix the bar no, I said raise the bar, but no, raise the, the bar. bar. That's or, even better. I like that. Yeah, well, like change, change what it uh-huh. means to, to, to have a, su- a, mm-hmm. a successful or ideal work. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I'd be the, the, and I think, you know, more than when I came to the work world, there's now ways of screening companies for where am I going to have a healthy experience? And a, mm-hmm. and a meaningful experience at work, as you can see, whether it's a great place to work and mm-hmm. they're certified companies where you know that seven out of 10 of their employees give it a positive rating in their right. um, yeah. or uh, other, and it's not the only one out there that is rating or, or providing some clarity front glass door. Mm-hmm. It's another place you can find out how these right. are yep. looking, you know, companies have got to pay attention to that. And then, and, and there's mm-hmm. in a lot of industries, it's becomes a race to the top as opposed to a race to the bottom. When it comes uh, to the, yes. the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we should probably wrap up because you have a, a appointment and we can only record so much before people will start getting overloaded. But this is this has been really, really interesting. Um, and I think it's something that's very important, as you were saying, for people's health and wellness, because, yeah, being under tension and and worry all the time about if you're doing a good job, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? All that kind of stuff is, is not good for one's physical well-being. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm hope, hopeful that we're, we're moving toward healthier workplaces over time when, when you have a blend maybe of those masculine and yeah. feminine energies, um, a recognition to, to kind of share leadership more and share decision-making power. Um, 
but yeah, we, we can get, we, we need to go there faster even than we are. I, we want to, if we want people to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Well, hopefully then maybe the next generation will get to a certain point and say, nope, wrong. Not, not, not doing this anymore. (laughs) I think my, my kids at least are going to do that. Uh, So I'll give them a little further nudge in that direction. Yeah, there you go. I said so, Susan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Show them pictures of people that are exhausted. (laughs) You don't want to be like this. Well, on that note, I will say, which I usually say at the end of my podcast, which is that neither of us are doctors, which for this one, we absolutely know that sometimes there are doctors, but I say it anyways. And none of this is medical advice, which I don't think everyone could think any of this was medical advice, maybe psychiatric, but not you know, straight medical. And that, um, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And it's been very interesting for me as well. And um, to all of you out there, I will see you all next week. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.